Hello and welcome to the AIU Spotlight podcast. I'm Gareth Long, Communications Coordinator with the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences, and I'll be interviewing staff, students and alumni from the faculty to explore their personal experiences of education and professional life, as well as their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. This is the first of two special MA Therapies placement episodes of the AIU Spotlight podcast. I talk with MA Drama Therapy alumnus Madeline Cameron and Rebecca Wilson, who mentored Madeline during her placement at London Disability Network. After graduating, Madeline began work as a registered drama therapist and continued providing drama therapy support to Rebecca's clients. We talk about the support Madeline received before and during the placement from course lecturers and LDN staff, the benefits of placements for both students and employers, and the positive impact Madeline's drama therapy sessions have for Rebecca's clients. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, Rebecca, and hello, Madeline. Hi, Gavin. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this special edition of the uh, AIU Spotlight podcast, uh, focusing on MA Therapies placements. If you could let me know who you are and what it is you do. Uh, let's start with you, Rebecca. Uh, my name is Rebecca Wilson. I am a manager of two supported living services in Camden in London. Um, supported living is basically um, a placement for clients with a learning disability. Um, and it's basically care being provided within a home setting with the aim of making them independent uh, people with uh, very fulfilled lives. Madeline? Hi, I'm Madeline. Um, I am a recent graduate from ARU on the drama therapy course masters um, and a registered drama therapist. Brilliant and the reason you're both here today is because Madeline you attended a placement with London Disability Network. Can you tell me a little bit about what you were doing for them and how long placement was? Yes so um, placement lasted a few months um, I started working here in September last year um, and finished this year around April. So I did therapy, an hour therapy sessions um, with each of the clients from both of the services that Rebecca works at. What is it you are hoping to do when, at first when you finished your MA drama therapy? Initially, when I finished, I was thinking, OK, great, I'm going to look for jobs within the NHS as a drama therapist but before even before I finished Rebecca was like that um, one of the clients that I worked with their parents was really impressed with um, the work that we had done together and that she wanted me to continue working with her and I was pleased because that's something that I also wanted to do because um, I also wanted to work privately as well as within an organization so I took on that opportunity working with that client so I've been working with her since September this year yeah and it's been really good and I've enjoyed it so much um, and I've come in today as well to work with another client um, and hopefully there's more opportunities to work. I just keep borrowing her for various <laughs> therapy opportunities whenever I think something's wrong I just yeah, <laughs> get Madeline yeah. in. <laughs> Excellent so she worked out well for you then? Definitely Basically. yeah definitely. How did it feel settling in to doing a placement after the course? Did you get much um, help from London Disability Network itself to settle in? 
Yeah, so before I started, um, I think a week before I started, Rebecca had invited me in um, to sort of have a chat with the clients, have a chat with the staff. So I sort of got to know everybody, where things are, who was who before the actual start date, um, which was very important for me. So I wasn't sort of like going in blindfolded because um, it was the first time I've ever worked in a therapy setting with people with disability, uh, learning disabilities and physical disabilities. Um, so it was very important for me to sort of be like, okay, cool. This is where I'm gonna be. This is who I'm working with. And now I can sort of try and adapt myself um, rather than just sort of coming one day like, okay, cool therapy and it's like I've planned a whole session for somebody that it just doesn't apply to yeah if that makes sense and like anytime I was like reading through the files I'm like what does this mean how like what what does this condition mean what does that you know how does that client um cope or how do they communicate mm. with this kind of condition um and Rebecca was like okay well this is the things that we've learned how to do to do with them uh, maybe you could add this into your session or add that into your session. Um, yeah, it was really informative and very helpful for me throughout, not just at the start, but throughout any time I sort of got, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Or like, what does this mean? It was always like, okay, go to Rebecca, email Rebecca, call Rebecca, talk to Rebecca. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I felt very settled um, throughout the whole entire time. And did you get much support from ARU in finding your placement and, and while you were on the placement? Yeah, so Stavrula um, supplied the placement for me and I had supervision, weekly supervision for an hour with her each week, um, which was really lovely. Um, I was able to sort of pick either, like if something, not traumatic, but if something big happened with, within a session, I was sort of able to go to her and sort of like unpack what happened in the session, what my feelings were within the session and sort of think therapeutically about that as a practitioner but then also as a person um, and how they sort of link in between and then, okay, what do I do in the next session? How do I address this in the next session? But I was also able to go to him like, oh my gosh, I was able to do this in the session. This happened in the session. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of myself. And I think as well, because Stavruda um, understands the setting very well. She has a really in-depth experience of uh LD settings but also specifically the service that um Madeline has been working in and I think that's quite a unique perspective to have so just from kind of an outsider's perspective I can see that she was able to give quite um unique guidance to Madeline as well. So um, Stavrula worked with you before? Yes she has yeah and she currently works with one of our one of our clients separate to ARU um, with the other work she does but yeah I think she has quite a unique understanding of how how wonderful the placements are but also equally how kind of um, emotionally draining yeah. they can they can be so yeah I think it was a good a good combo the three of us I think it worked quite well. How do you keep track of your progress on the placement do you have any tools journals or anything like that? Uh, yeah so I had two separate journals I had a journal that I'd write in um, for the clients, all the work that I'd done with the clients um, with, okay, so what happened? How did I address this? What have I learned from this? And then another um, journal that I had was like my own emotional um, feelings and experiences 
um, because it is, as Rebecca said, it can be mentally draining, um, sometimes physically draining, depending on which client it is that you're working with. Um, and it was like me sort of like putting everything, just laying everything out onto paper and then being able to then look back at it in a couple of weeks or in a couple of days and then assess how I've either grown or things that I've done differently, things that I've been able to work through um, from like the beginning. It was sort of like, I did it in like three chunks. So I did say from September until Christmas time. And then I would do Christmas until um, Easter and then whatever else period that was looming around there. So like the, around the ending phase. And then at the end of that, look back at the whole entire journey and that sort of also made me think about, okay, cool, is this kind of setting that I could work in, um, in my actual professional qualified career and being capable of doing that and taking all the tools that I've learned on the journey with me to other places. Rebecca, do you, did you assist Madeline with these tools or is this just a very personal kind of record of the placement? I think in terms of the record keeping, that was like a personal endeavour by Madeline I think maybe with our I mean we did try weekly catch-ups didn't we and then that yeah. didn't really work but uh, our we caught up fairly often and I think a lot of those chats were quite frank and honest about uh, how difficult things can be and I think Madeline was I think Madeline is a breath of fresh air in the sense that um she's just very open and kind of lays everything there and says actually today was really difficult for for x y and z reason and it made kind of my first experience um of kind of being a mentor in like a therapeutic sense as well um and trying to understand from Madeline's point of view where she's coming from because you know I, I know that care is difficult <laughs> um but also coming into this setting kind of outside of from outside of that world and also then trying to kind of reach into the mental health elements of care as well is a big undertaking so I kind of hope that I contributed to Madeline's reflection and the tools that she used and things and kind of gave her some tools from from my perspective as well. Was this the first time you've acted as a mentor? Yeah very much so <laughs> completely new to me um yeah, it's been a very interesting experience because obviously I, I manage a fairly large care team anyway. Yeah, if I'm honest, it's a lot of it's a lot of work because then you're basically taking on another staff member. Um, but Madeline kind of fit into the team so well. I think that was um, an expectation on my part quite early on with Madeline, and I said <laughs> I ex I expect you to be part of the team. So I I don't feel that I should would be saying like every session, okay, Madeline. Madeline's going to come in now, Madeline's going to do this. Madeline should have some authority in that space um, and understand kind of the diagnoses and understand how the team works and functions. Um, and she did that that amazingly. So kind of it made that element of my job a lot, a lot easier. So with that in mind, what are the kind of qualities you look for in a placement student? Um, openness to anything, not being scared off or put off by a lot of things um, a lot of the clients that Madeline kind of came into contact with and really supported they don't have any of the usual neurotypical markers that you think you would need to uh, take part 
in therapy. One of our clients is completely nonverbal. You often have no real idea of how much she's how much information she's able to process. Her learning disability is incredibly profound, but she was as in need of therapy as anyone else. And I think for me to kind of push Madeline into that, it's like, well, work it out. <laughs> like we worked it out together, but this person needs therapy. She's um, she's very low mood, low engagement. This has been a change for her. So work out how how you're going to communicate with her. So that would have been scary for anyone. So I think it's uh, like an openness to say, OK, this is completely new for me, but teach me, teach me and I'll learn. And flexibility is a big one as well, because as much as I would uh, like to plan the day, as you can see, it's mental <laughs> here. Like I'm running around like a headless chicken all the time. So Madeline was very good at going, OK, yeah, no, this is my authority and this is the space and the time that I've asked for. Um, but equally, OK, that person's had a seizure. Let's give them five minutes and then they'll be able to engage more. Or, OK, things haven't gone great this morning. How can I accommodate your needs? But also, I think Madeline kind of pushed us to be a bit more time savvy and respectful of that therapeutic space as well. So, yeah, she added a lot. So what kind of techniques did you use, Madeline, um, to deal with these pressures that Rebecca's mentioned? I will start off with sort of time boundaries that for me as a professional, I think okay, this is the time that I'm dedicating, therefore, it should be honoured, but this is also the time for the client. And if it's a time that we've scheduled for every week, that should be honoured for the client. So they know that this is their time to do what they need to do um, before the pressures of the world <laughs> comes to them. But then, yeah, if something happens, you know, I have to give leeway that that's what is needed, especially for the therapy to work from the beginning communicating with the other staff members was very important in in my learning of how everyone communicates um and then taking it step by step it was sort of like I have to give 50 and then the client would give 50 and like if the client doesn't give 50 I'm like okay cool that communication doesn't work so things like um the use of touch um and especially around consent if the client can't verbalize consent to me how do I go about that you know I can't be like oh do you give me consent to you know give you hand massages you know that was neither going to be a yes or a no like it was essentially the client just staring at me in my eyes mm -hmm. um so it was sort of like going in and sort of like say touching the hands and like if the client were to pull away okay cool I would take that as that's not acceptable but then it's also about maybe just settling in I'm a new person I'm a new face so then in a couple of weeks we try that again and see how the relationship has formed or sort of finding what yes and no means um, through eye contact or how that they're, they're feeling if they're breathing shallow if they're you know if it's a light breath um, in terms of like emotional uh, support that I need to give to the client on that day yeah, it was sort of just a trial and error kind of thing. Um, and a lot of me writing down, okay, this doesn't work, perhaps I could add this to it. If that doesn't work, then try again um, throughout the whole entire time until around about January. And I was like, okay, cool. I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then it was, it was very much easier for me 
um, sort of have sessions with the client from January, but it was really rough between like September and December, just trial and errors of different interventions, storytelling, drawing, paintings, and then sort of me trying to figure out what does this actually mean? Yeah, and like trying to relate it to their life and like asking Rebecca, okay, they drew this, they, you know, sounded like this. What does this, what does this mean? Like, you know, could you explain to me, has something happened in their past? Did something happen last week? How was their sleep? Do they have a good sleep? Um, just general questions and then like, yeah, piecing them together like a puzzle to try and figure out everything. I think Madeline as well had to quite early on kind of shift the parameters of success. So I think in her learning at uni, I think there's quite a clear, okay, you're getting somewhere with this client because X, Y, and Z is in place, or this is a breakthrough. And I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you kind of had to redefine what success was for that client a lot of the work you're doing even with the client that now Madeline supports privately success a lot of the time is just any engagement and any engagement is an improvement on what we've had before and engagement can equal better mental health because they are able to put everything else aside mentally and focus on that space for Madeline I don't think we were ever going to get to a point with our clients where it's like okay I can almost diagnose this person with this mental health issue and I know that I'm fixing it a lot of the time is identifying on this day at this time this person felt this emotion and I was able to identify it and I was able to relieve them of some degree of what was going on or or I managed to engage this client in storytelling and they've never opened up to me before in that capacity because then that gives them the tools going forward and actually gives us the tools as, as care staff that we can use these kind of communication techniques and therapy techniques in our work as well. So I think that was a fairly big thing for you of, mm. I don't know what this is, is this a good thing? Am I doing the right thing? But I think ultimately, once we change those parameters, it made life a lot easier yeah. for, for everyone. What do you feel was the biggest breakthrough that you had with a, a patient? Oh, there's two different ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd say one would be, um, I have was working with a client who is non-verbal and we were able to sort of create a poem well two poems and that session was around about 45 minutes to an hour long whereas usually it's like after 10 minutes he's like pointing at the door like and that was a thing like if you point at the door it means the session is over so it was always like hey 10 minutes over 15 minutes over half an hour um but that particular session it was a longer session and we were able to sort of create these two poems that he was happy about and also that I think quite profoundly described how he was feeling Mm. like this is a this is a client that is non-verbal but is very able to communicate Mm non-verbally in a very general sense so like you can tell okay he's he's sad he's in pain or he's very very happy but we've never got to the real crux of where do these feelings come from and actually, how does it feel to be you as a person? Yeah. 
And I sobbed the first time I read this poem because it was, I think some people can roll their eyes at that, that process. But when, when you read a poem by someone who's nonverbal, but you can see them in the words, and I know this poem very well, but you can like see and hear them in the words and you think, no, actually that, that's a breakthrough because we, mm. I understand him better. Yeah. Um, and it was a way that he was able to reflect on his life and reflect on how it feels to be him and how it feels to be cared for and be reliant on mm-hmm. the changes of, that yeah. has happened throughout his life. There was a bit in it about wanting to be free as well and how freedom feels to him that got me really choked up. <laughs> and I, yeah, I thought that was such a huge break. And also as well, it's not just the end, the end product, that poem. The whole idea that he was engaging enough to make choices like yeah. that and be like, actually, no, this is a good use of my time. Because mm-hmm. this is a man who's very um, conscious of this is a waste of my yeah. <laughs> This is a complete waste of my time. Why are we doing this? But it gave him purpose. He was engaged. He was involved. And he made choices for himself. And, like, what else can you ask mm-hmm. for, really? Mm-hmm. So that was a really special one. So what, yeah. what's the process? Um by which he managed to express this poem. So he's able to write, is he still? Or no. is it, he's not even able to write. How did how did that how did the poem actually come about physically? Um so I initially um typed up some words and like went through some poems and took out some sentences from different poems. Um the theme was around change. So I went through loads of different poems, typed up things that I sort of already knew about him and then cut them into strips and then I would pick up sentences and be like read out the sentence this one and read out the second sentence and then with the small mobility that he has I would ask him to choose which one it was and then sometimes I would even switch them around um, to see if he's fully engaged and fully understanding with what the sentence means to see whether he would choose the same sentence again and then sort of like layer them out on a table that he would see in front of him um, until all of the sentences have finished, read through it again and um, to see whether he'd like it. And if there was any changes, then he would either make a sound or nod whether he wanted um, that particular sentence to be changed or taken out um, for the final product. So it's almost like doing cut-up poetry, essentially, but he's selecting which parts he feels expresses his own yeah. feelings. That's incredible. Yeah, That's it incredible. really was. And I think that my realisation was, because Madeline was like, oh, well, Keith wrote a poem today. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And like, but of course, I'm, I'm so behind all of this stuff. I was like, okay, let me see it. But it was the way it flowed as well. It was, mm. this is what I mean about feeling his presence within those words. And there were so many things that obviously Madeline had learned over her time with him that was so personal to him. Um, and it flowed so beautifully um, that, yeah, you could see that, that that was something that he had managed to contribute to. And that was really important to him. Yeah. And he loves it still. Like we had it um, displayed up in like the main corridor of, of the service at one point and we submitted it to the magazine for the for the charity that we work for so everyone can see it so I think it was a real source of pride for him as well. I was going to ask if you 
actually publish them somewhere or, or whether they're too personal to do that with. Yeah, but. no, he's he's well up for all of that. Yeah. He loves sharing his, his <laughs> stuff. Fantastic. And actually, we've lost one of our service users recently. It's his funeral on Wednesday. And the reason why Madeline's here today is to work with Keith again to put a poem together about how he felt about his because it's his housemate that's passed away um so they've done that today as well it's just a really important kind of emotional outlet for him now that he can always go back to and you mentioned uh, another breakthrough as well madeline uh yes yeah, so there's another service user he <laughs> he talks about everything but the topic that you want to talk about yeah, and it's often about bank robbers. Um, or crime. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. alligators, cats. Dickens. Yeah, books. books. Mostly, like, books. Yeah. Charles Dickens, he loves it. But this particular session, we spent a good 20 minutes actually just having a conversation and staying on task. <laughs> and it really blew my mind that, he was able to do that and he was able to actually express his feelings um and the, the previous session before that he had actually shouted at me mm. um because of something that had happened previously with um his housemates but that second session he actually was like I'm very sorry about what I did this and this had happened um and I felt like this and I wouldn't do it again and you're a really nice person and all of this and it was just I I thought he had completely forgotten about what had happened I didn't realize that he could reflect reflect he doesn't do reflection yeah. really normally yeah um, so that was a huge thing even kind of um processing information and retaining information mm -hmm. you just told him is it is a is a struggle for this client um so the fact that he was able to recall what he had done last week with Madeline reflect on his behavior apologize yeah and want to continue with the session. I think that really said something for the relationship that um, Madeline built with him. Wow. So you've had a real effect. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. And there was a period of time where I, I think it was over the Christmas period, I wasn't there. And I had come back, Rebecca was saying that he was constantly asking for mm. me whether I was going to be there or not. And it was like, for me, talking about sort of like success, that was like a small success for me. Because like, I didn't realise that I, I sort of mattered to them because I felt like I was just one of those things. They have so many people coming and going, coming and going, different carers coming and going, coming and going. Um, especially for this particular client, at the beginning, he was just like, who are you? Are you my carer? Are you a nurse? Mm. Everything. Are you a cleaner? But are you a therapist? Um, so it was like, okay, that small period of like two weeks, two, three weeks, I wasn't there. It was like, there was something missing for him. Mm. Um, and that I was making an impact on his on his life and his mental well-being mm. even though I wasn't really always seeing it within the sessions. Mm. How did that make you feel realising that? Um, that I'm proud to <laughs> be a therapist um, and that everybody can have therapy and everybody should um, mm. be able to access therapy no matter who they are, where they come from, what their ability is, because like therapists should be able to be flexible to that capacity and be open to do the work. Yeah, meet the clients where they are as yeah. well. I think that was a big thing with us is that, 
yeah have zero expectations of what they can do Mm -hmm. mold everything to them and I think uh yeah Madeline did that exceptionally well have you taken on previous placement students no so I knew Stavrula having worked with one of our clients um and um I spoke to her about my want for some kind of therapeutic involvement in the service because it was much needed I think especially because there's a misconception about people's learning disabilities and mental health but I was seeing it kind of all over the place like desperate need for some kind of professional help and then she suggested that we take on take on a student and yeah Madeline was our our first one and I've said that I will continue to have students if they're kind of readily available so you've started a trend Madeline yeah. <laughs> I'm proud, yeah. especially that is drama therapy. Yeah, definitely. You've started to talk about this already, but uh, what benefits does your organisation gain from offering work placements to students? Um, free therapy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a massive inequality in health in general with clients with a learning disability. Mental health isn't even on the roster when it comes to kind of people's entitlement to that. And as I said, there's such a misconception about what mental health means and actually whether it's a worthwhile thing to even be addressing, which just makes me so angry. So I think it was like a a huge benefit for us was to be able to access that and, and actually be a case study for me to be able to say, you know, look what we've achieved and we only achieved it out of the kind of goodness of, you know, Madeline being able to come in and, and Rula suggesting that we should do that. I think Madeline um, taught us a lot about, yeah, what is what is possible and, and what we should be um, aiming for going forward. That actually there's no excuse to not address mental health because overall we see we see an improvement in engagement. We see an improvement in mood. And, you know, when mental health is better, then physical health is better as well. You see an improvement in kind of seizure activity. You see an improvement in kind of self-harming behaviours that were going on at the service prior to Madeleine coming. And, you know, if we're here to advocate for the clients, then we're advocating for their entire health. That's the whole point. So I think it's allowed us to probably do our jobs better than we were doing before, um, which I think is really important. No, it's fantastic that it worked out that well with both of you. Um, Madeline, um, what do you think is the most valuable thing that you're going to take away from this placement? Um, The most valuable thing? Her friendship with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, Oh, I don't know. Everything, just everything in general has been very important to me. I'd say I'd feel like Throughout training, working with learning disabilities has sort of opened my eyes to what is possible um, and the creativity that I have within myself to be able to work around and figure things out and then take that away and then build on something. I feel like I'm, I'm definitely more flexible in every aspect, if that makes sense. Um, more confident yeah definitely yeah it's definitely more confident (laughs) yeah for sure I think yeah from what I saw at the beginning um and like Madeline was so accommodating at the beginning but I think like she just grew into her own 
It's that I'm very capable of making change and what I'm doing is important. Because I think at times you, there was some wavering on, well, well at, what, is what I'm doing making any impact? I think towards the end, yeah, there was a real kind of confidence that wasn't necessarily there at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. How do you report back the success of the placement to um, your employers and authorities above you? Yeah, I just whittle on about it constantly. Just every you, you have that direct line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. So kind of any organizational meetings, um, we talk about uh, therapeutic involvement. We have kind of quarterly reviews of these things. And last quarter it was uh, kind of access to therapies. And I spoke of our successes there. Um, any kind of we have health ad advocacy meetings, especially with especially with them um, local authority commissioners, so Camden Council. I yeah, I just go on about the importance of yeah addressing mental health issues and how how successful drama therapy has been in that. But yeah, I think there is a benefit to because of how social care works. Um, and how it is structured um, there is lots of opportunity for uh, people that are much higher up in the chain to be aware of the work that we've we've done and I think as well kind of publishing Keith's poem in the local magazine showing pictures of uh, like um, the drawings that one of our clients had done just yeah making everyone aware that it is something that we should be accessing and really pushing for have you noticed a change in attitude towards mental health? Um, I think it's definitely a work in progress. If I'm honest, no, not not instantly, but I think there's definitely more an openness to, okay, that's that's a way in. Because I think mental health for people with learning disabilities can be such a, like a maze for some people. It's just like, well, how do I even start? But a Madeline lot in. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the even like the techniques that Madeline was using or the things that we kind of worked on together are simple enough in the sense that you could do a small amount of that daily and that would make an impact. So I think it's um, making it seem more accessible to, to managers of supported living services and, and just saying, you know, we've done this in our setting. Why don't you try even little things like pictorial pictorial? aids mm -hmm. um emotion stones you know these are all things that if you just we buy them we can do a tiny bit of what Madeline's doing on a daily basis uh, anyway um what, so, what are yeah. emotion stones <laughs> <laughs> uh they are little stones uh smooth stones <laughs> and they have well you can get like a variety of them some of them have got like cute little hairdos as well but they've got different emotions on them and it's a way of engaging someone that is even non-verbal or is unable to explicitly communicate verbally how they're feeling and I think a lot of um what Madeline was doing was like giving them the opportunity to pick up the stones or moving through the stones, holding the stones, because a, a lot of our clients rely a lot on kind of sensory, sensory things, so touch, and they were able to kind of express how they were feeling through, through that. Yeah. yeah, I think it is just uh, whittering on about it and just making sure everyone knows how accessible it, it, can, it can be. So Madeline, with the hindsight of having completed the placement, is there any advice you'd give to your younger self 
or any uh, advice for any other students as well that are thinking of doing a, a placement? Uh, I would say to uh, be confident in um, the abilities that you have currently um, because they will definitely grow as you go on and not be afraid to ask for advice, um, to um, call out if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're going through burnout, um, because if you don't say, then nobody's ever gonna know. And it only impacts you and it impacts the client. So you can't really do the job that you need to do properly. Um, and just have fun, yeah. <laughs> you're able to have fun in this in this kind of role still you feel yeah yeah I think because I think a lot, a lot of people often just see it as a very serious thing and and, and obviously very stressful yeah because you have your times where it is sort of like I said mentally draining physically draining but sometimes it can be fun therapy doesn't always necessarily have to be so serious and so sort of like downheartening, sometimes it can be joyous. Um, so like with one of the clients, for the first sort of like 10 minutes, we listen to Amy Winehouse and you dance and you sing. Um, so yeah, it's it's not always just about, you know, all the hard hitting stuff. Sometimes there are some positive things that clients want to share with you and you just need to reciprocate that back and, you know, be joyous with them. It's about bringing joy to their lives and helping mm -hmm. them appreciate being alive. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us today, Rebecca and Madeline. Thank you. Very thank much. You.